Welcome to Fantastical Accounts and Supernatural Tales. I'm your host, Haley Yates, and in this podcast, we explore curious, mystifying, and wondrous topics from folklore and myth. The magical and supernatural will be investigated, and together we'll learn about the fantastic creatures, legends, and lore used over time and throughout cultures to explain the unexplainable, to spark people's curiosity and imagination, and even warn us about the aspects of life we don't fully understand. This episode will touch on some sensitive topics, and thus I am providing a quick content warning. Included in the tales today are some depictions of violence, as well as a brief mention of sexual assault. We don't cover either of these things in very much detail, but in case you are uncomfortable, please take note, and please take care of yourself. With that said, we hope you enjoy the episode. Often, when we think of women in the stories and legends that make up traditional tales, they are damsels, or love interests that play the part of beautiful prizes to be given away in marriage when the dashing young warrior performs an act of valor for a king. Or, women are heroines, but even then, how many times does she need the attention or approval of a man? These stories, often crafted by male writers and patriarchal cultures, put female characters into boxes of beauty and objectification, and when women don't fit into these limited molds, they're disparaged, villainized, ostracized, and set up to become some of literature's most feared and despised monsters. Personally, I find these scary ladies a much more interesting study than their more one-dimensional, more acquiescent counterparts. In today's episode, we'll explore some famous female monsters from legend and lore and see if there isn't something actually sympathetic about these bad apples. Traditional societal constraints on women are often extremely narrow, and therefore it's easy to fall outside of the lines if you're too loud, too confident, too independent, or just too different. As a result, the list of female monsters is actually quite long, In fact, no one quite made women into monsters as easily and horrifically as the ancient Greeks. From Medusa to the Sphinx to the Sirens, Greek mythology is ripe with disgraced female creatures. For that reason, a second Scary Ladies episode will be dedicated to sorting out those classical rebels at a later date. But today, we'll delve into the lore of some interesting, non-Greek female monsters. Here are some well-known ones I think you'll like. To kick off the episode, let's talk about the woman of Fairy Mound, a more flattering definition of the old Irish word banshee. The banshee goes by a few names in Ireland, including the additionally flattering Hag of the Mist, the Hag of Blackhead, the Lady of Death, the White Lady of Sorrow, and interestingly, Little Washerwoman. The latter name, while presenting as quaint, is anything but, as the title was bestowed upon the creature after numerous sightings of her washing bloodstains from the clothes of those who would soon die. 
In addition to her personal dry cleaning services, the Banshee also uses mournful keening, screaming, wailing, and or other general lamentations to warn members of a family that they will soon perish. It is believed that the individual hearing such startling shrieks is the one who will meet their untimely death. In Ireland, some held the opinion that the Banshee only visited Irish families. While in Wales, folks maintained that their version of the Banshee only visited those of the Welsh persuasion. The Banshee is often depicted as a ghost or spirit. Depictions of what a Banshee may look like vary. Common to most representations is that they are A, a woman, B, have long hair, sometimes it's white, sometimes red, sometimes gray or silver, and C, they are pretty much always a disembodied spirit as opposed to flesh and blood. D, they have red eyes and or are crying blood. I mean, I would assume if you're crying blood, your eyes are probably at least a little bit red too. Uh, but anyway. Other accounts claim the Banshee is shrouded in a, well, shroud, covered in a gauzy veil from the head down. Some claim she's beautiful and that she's a young woman, while others profess her to be an old crone. One depiction even claims she's a headless woman in the nude carrying around a bowl of blood. While I'm sure carrying around a bowl of blood would get tiresome, it's the headlessness that poses the real challenge, as it likely makes belting out those horrifying screams a little bit difficult. Categorically, there are two major classifications of Banshee. The first is the friendly or good Banshee. A good Banshee was thought to have been a woman with a strong, loving connection to a family in life, and in death, she continues to watch over said family and provides warning to them days before a member is about to die, using her sorrow-filled song. Now, if your family is less Brady Bunch and more Cinderella's step family, then you probably won't be lucky enough to get saddled with one of the good Banshees. See, the second type of Banshee is the angry, scary, hate-filled, and all-around bad Banshee. This type is believed to haunt a family that they loathed in life, and their shrieks are less of a warning and more of a downright celebration as they revel in the coming demise of a person they hate. As previously mentioned, the Banshee's telltale characteristic is her vocal aptitude. Amongst all the screaming and shrieking, the term keening was also used to describe the Banshee's call. Historically, keening was a practice seen in Gaelic or Celtic traditions as far back as the 8th century. Keening was a form of vocal lament, a genre of singing that was performed at funerals. It was a common phenomenon in formal Irish rituals until it began to decline in the 18th century and became virtually extinct by the 20th century. The song Keeners sang were often haunting and sorrowful. While such folk singing is now rare, in the 1950s, one Kitty Gallagher sang for ethnomusologist Alan Lomax, a Keening song she learned from an elder Irish woman. Lomax recorded the song, as well as thousands of other folk songs and interviews, to preserve in the Archive of American Folk Song at the Library of Congress. Take a listen to Gallagher's soul-stirring traditional lament, Keen for a Dead Child. Oh, <laughs> 
That was haunting. But how does a funeral singer become a legendary monster? Well, there are some theories about that. One dominant theory is that because these funeral singers, or keeners, would in some instances accept payment for their performances in, dare I say, alcohol, that made them sinners, and would doom them to be banshees for all of eternity once they died, forced to become a spirit for some spirits. A pretty harsh damnation for the perceived impropriety of a woman partaking of some booze. More generally, a woman might become a banshee if a significant wrong is done to her in life. Because being cursed to be a horrifying creature seems fair post-injustice. Maybe a little less justifiable in terms of our sympathies is the infamous La Llorona. The tale of La Llorona has been told throughout Latin American countries, Mexico, and the Southwest United States for generations. La Llorona is the spirit of a woman, typically described as young and beautiful, wearing a white dress. Also a whaler, it is reported that La Llorona roams along waterways at night, crying out and weeping. While at this point, La Llorona is not seemingly dangerous, she does escalate beyond merely foretelling one's impending demise. In fact, she's been known to cause it. The reason I mentioned less sympathy may exist for La Llorona is due to her origin story. Like most folklore, there are numerous versions of La Llorona's story, but most go along these lines. She was born to humble beginnings. Before she would become the legendary La Llorona, her name was Maria a girl from a small village raised in a peasant family. What she lacked for in wealth, she made up for in the richness of her beauty. Maria was renowned in the area for her captivating appearance and caring spirit. One summer, a wealthy man passed through her village and soon became enthralled by her beauty. He romanced her, buying her all kinds of splendid gifts and doting upon her with unadulterated attention. That is, until, well... It became adulterated. See, after the two got married, Maria bore him two sons. While the wealthy man loved his two sons, he soon seemed to tire of Maria, leaving home for long periods of time and reportedly fraternizing with other ladies on his escapades away. When he did return home, he only made time and room in his heart for the boys, ignoring Maria. Some accounts claim he even spoke of leaving her for someone who would be in his own well-to-do class, making a more socially acceptable match rather than dealing with the optics of partnering with a peasant girl. Soon, Maria grew resentful. And unfortunately, this is where things get really dark. See, Maria was not just resentful of her unfaithful husband. She re grew resentful of her boys, who took all of their father's attention and love, leaving nothing for her, but his dissatisfaction and discontentment. One evening, she was walking with her sons by a river when their father rode by in a carriage. I imagine it had been days, or maybe even weeks, since he cared to stop back home from his exploits, doing who knows what, or more like who knows who. And upon reaching his family, he spoke only to his boys, never acknowledging Maria's presence. 
and without ever casting a glance in Maria's direction, he carried on down the road. And in that moment, the steadily fraying cord that Maria had woven together with strands of hope for a better future, hope for a new station in life, hope for unconditional love, hope for companionship, and that last little bit of dignity she was holding on to, snapped. In a fit of rage, Maria pushed her young sons into the swift moving river. Her eyes, clouded with fury and heartbreak, eventually began to clear just as she saw their bodies bobbing down around a bend downstream. Realizing what she had done, she began to frantically run after them, but it was too late. Unable to swim, the young boys were swept away by the cold currents. Maria was beside herself. She ceased eating, drinking, sleeping. Her only activity was weeping and wandering the banks of that very river searching for her lost boys. Eventually, an emaciated Maria fell to the ground beside the very river that took her sons and died, having warned herself into an early grave. It did not take long for reports to start flying regarding sightings along the riverbank of her restless spirit, her cries and wailing audible to witnesses. But, like I said earlier, her notoriety goes beyond mere weeping. Maria's spirit is vindictive, luring those too close to the water's edge into a watery abyss, drowning them as she did her children. Some report she targets anyone. Others claim she only takes children. Or, if you're Supernatural Season 1, Episode 1, she only preys on cheating, unfaithful men. But the basics stay the same. Maria became La Llorona, or the Weeping Woman, after pushing her boys into a river. And now she haunts waterways, perpetually distraught, grieving, rejected, and heartbroken, only to repeat the worst decision of her life over and over again with new victims. While Maria's clear mental break is disturbing and her actions unjustifiable, there is something just simply sad about her story. This behavior of a woman being used and tossed aside and then made into a monster is sadly a common theme among scary lady origin stories. Although included on numerous lists of female monsters, I feel that our next scary lady does not truly deserve the connotation that comes with the term monster, and is more a general supernatural being. Originating from many eastern woodlands and central plains tribes is the tale of the Deer Woman. The legend of the Deer Woman is known to extend into indigenous American cultures as far as the Pacific Northwest as well. Some accounts of her origin story say that she was once a mortal girl. A mortal girl who fell victim of rape and was left to perish in the woods. When she was later found, slain on the forest floor, 
there was a fawn asleep at her side. In a sad compassion, the animal laid down next to her so that she would not die alone. The gods, desiring to help the girl in the afterlife, granted her a wish for justice. The story goes that she was reborn, part woman and part deer. After luring her attackers back into those same woods in which she met her untimely end, she trampled them with her hooves until they, themselves, died. Interestingly, in many stories, deer are often manifestations of the, quote, boundary between worlds, end quote. Deer are no strangers to folklore and myth, often showing up as guardians and as communicators with the spirit world. If you Google the symbolism of deer, you'll find a lot of sources which describe the animal as being intuitive, devoted, and equal parts graceful and strong. Deer Woman took up this mantle. It is said that she continued her bloody form of justice with anyone else attempting to harm innocent women and children. Once prey, Dear Woman was resurrected from the ashes of her pain to be a hunter, punishing those who would seek to hurt girls just like herself. Native women in the United States are disproportionately victims of violence. According to the Indian Law and Resource Center, more than four in five American Indian and Alaska Native women have experienced violence, and more than one in two have experienced sexual violence. In some cases, Native women are 10 times more likely to experience violence than in the rest of the United States. These alarming statistics prove the absolute crisis that exists in North America for Indigenous women. Recently, the story of Dear Woman has been used as a way to express awareness of these violences, as well as spread hope and empowerment among Native women as they use the cultural heritage found in the story of Dear Woman to find healing and promote resilience. If you are interested in seeing how this is playing out, you should check out Dear Woman, an anthology. Drawn by more than a dozen Native and Indigenous women artists and illustrators, Dear Woman, an anthology, is a collection of illustrated stories which deal with violence and pays homage to the strength and power of Native women through a comic book-like format. Although bloody and vengeful, Dear Woman shows how women can find strength in being just a little bit monstrous. At the top of the episode, I wondered if there was anything actually sympathetic about these female monsters. I think the Banshee represents the fear people have of women not meeting the societal expectations of the time. The Banshee is ultimately a self-employed funeral singer who dared to admit she drank alcohol. This differentness and Simply, her connection to death marked these women in life and made a ghost story of them in death. Even La Llorona was once a peasant girl 
who was taken advantage of by a wealthy, powerful man and discarded once he got what he wanted. Now, where Maria turned just straight up murderous, dear woman sought a righteous vengeance in the hope of protecting other vulnerable women. Only the mistrustful, ill-intentioned, and sinister have to fear dear woman. On a future Fantastical Accounts and Supernatural Tales Scary Ladies episode, we'll continue to explore the creepy, disturbing, and possibly misunderstood female monsters by focusing on those which come to us from Greek mythology. In that episode, I hope to take us from contemplating our possible sympathy for those lady horrors and question if there is, in fact, something admirable about them. Can the argument be made that there is actually strength in being fearsome, repellent, and monstrous in a world where complacency and being lovely and normal has often limited women and even left us vulnerable? Something to think about. Until next time, stay well and stay fierce. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Fantastical Accounts and Supernatural Tales. I am so excited to continue to share interesting stories from the magical and supernatural worlds found in folklore and myth. Please subscribe to the podcast if you liked what you heard today to make sure you join me on our next adventure through various curiosities and mystical mysteries. As always, I'd love to hear from you in the comments and reviews. Thank you again, and I truly hope you have a fantastical day.